Japan. <laughs> we appreciate it. All right, can we hear me? Yeah. Cool. How are we doing today? Oh, feedback. Let's scoot back. Great. I'm excited to be with you all. Sundays really are my favorite. Like ever since I was like three, I remember telling my mom, I was like, I just want to go to church. And she's like, you're a little weird. And I was like, yeah, I am. That's okay. Um, but I'm super excited to be here with you today. We're going to be talking um, a little bit more about what it means to be better together, what that looks like in our everyday life. And I got the fun topic of sacrificial love. <laughs> and so um, I feel like no one wants to talk about this because we all struggle with it, right? We all struggle to sometimes love people, especially the difficult people in our life. But um, it was very timely that this topic was given to me because at the time I didn't even realize I was honestly struggling with this and struggling to love those around me. So this message, uh, writing it, has been very healing for me and very convicting, actually. So I'm excited to share a little more about what God's been doing in my life um, and what I think he wants to like tell us all today. Um, so Jesse set it up really well last week. If you didn't catch it, it's on our YouTube channel. We have all of our messages, but he just talked a lot about what does it look like for us to be better together. And together we were created to love God and love others. Um, and this is what we're going to dive into talking a little bit more about today. But before I go into this story that I want to start with, we're going to talk through two verses continually through this message. And I just want to touch on those. So these verses are in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Um, and they say, Jesus said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. Um, so we're going to keep looking back to these verses to truly see what sacrificial love is um, and how we can love those around us. But to start off with, I want to tell you a story, um, and I could have told you a story of a time I sacrificially loved really well, or I could tell you a story about a time someone else really loved me well, or I can listen to the Holy Spirit um, and tell you about a time I did not love well, um, and how God has been showing me a lot through this. Also, fun fact, didn't know Jonathan was going to be here, <laughs> and <laughs> the story has to do about him, so this is going to be fun. <laughs> I like found out in a staff meeting, I was like, yes, Lord, let it be done. This is good. All right, so let's jump back to February 18th, which is my birthday and also Krista's birthday. Um, and I'm just going to be completely honest, I hate my birthday. Um, I've not liked it for a really long time. I have a lot of pain from my past that comes up on my birthday, and it's just a day where I really have to choose life or like death, and it's just a battle for me. But this past year, everything got a little deeper because this was also the day one of my closest and dearest friends, Regan, got diagnosed with cancer. Um, and this not only changed her and her family's life, but many of our lives as well. Um, as we began to get more information and begin to recognize the gravity of what was happening in her life, I began to realize that my life was about to change drastically, and I was very upset about it. Um, as Regan was rushed to brain surgery and got her final prognosis, we found out that Jonathan and Regan were going on a sabbatical. And that left me, Marcel, and the team in charge. I forgot to mention this. I'm the campus director here at Call to Greatness with my husband, Marcel. So we work um, with Call to Greatness in Blumont. 
So that left Marcel and the, Marcel, me and the team in charge. I had been saying, let me know if there's anything I can do to help, and I would have done anything, but leave me in charge? No, that was not happening. I was mad, mad that I was given more responsibility, that I had to love people at a higher degree, would have to give up more time, more energy, figure out how to connect to people I normally wouldn't connect with, and I had to grow significantly in ways that I just didn't want to grow. Um, I knew there was a burden that came with leadership, and I was not interested in it. That was too hard and too much, and I just wanted to focus on me and my life, not others. In my brain, it was sorry, anything but that. Obviously, I didn't say that, um, and I dragged myself to do it because that's what I had to do. And it was pretty ugly, and it was pretty rough. My first week with Jonathan and Reagan gone, I worked 80-plus hours, which was bad. Um, and I blew up at my husband, at my friends, at literally anyone who asked me a question or even looked in my direction in the wrong way. Um, and because I was trying to love Jonathan and Reagan and everyone out of myself instead of going to God first, I wasn't loving people. In fact, I was hurting everyone I was coming into contact with. The next two weeks, I worked less, but could feel how bitter I was when I had to do anything for anyone. I kept saying, but what about me, God? Why do I have to serve everyone? What about me? I was sitting in my own self-pity and remorse. And at one point, God even told me, Sharon, you need to leave your selfishness. You have this idea that you were put on this earth to be served, but Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. Same for you. I remember him saying this to me and trying to ignore it because my heart was so hard to this idea. I mean, I was serving everyone around me. I'm in ministry. I'm doing it, right? But what about me, God? Who's going to serve me? Here's the reality. I was not loving or serving anyone. I was serving and loving myself. And that's not what people needed or what God was asking of me. So two weeks ago, I was getting ready for bed. And this is kind of gross. I was pretty miserable per usual, grumpy and annoyed, and I had these huge blisters on my feet because I had walked a whole bunch of my chacos, and if any of you are chaco wearers, you have to like build, like um, break them in every year. You get these nasty blisters, but then you're great. Go buy some chacos. They're awesome. And um, I got someone to buy chacos this week, so be careful. I will get you to buy them. Um, and I had also been dancing for hours in heels at my friend's wedding the day before, and I remember just feeling the pain and telling myself, ignore the pain, just like everything else, keep going, keep moving, that's what you have to do. And I remember the Holy Spirit saying, or you can come to me, and I ignored what he said. Later that night, I finally paused for a second and rested. Um, I think I was like laying down, and suddenly I had this vision. And it was of Jesus leading me to a seat, and he sat me down, and he grabbed my blistered, gross feet, which stood for more than just my feet. Like, that was just me as a person at the time. Like, I was just really gross and not okay. And he began to wash my feet and take care of my feet. And he smiled at me, and he said, it's okay to stop and let me wash your feet to help you to take a load off. And I just started bawling. I remember that I was just like, why are you doing this, Jesus? Like, I'm a horrible person. Um, and Jesus knew I was being a brat and disobedient, and yet he was willing to wash my tired and achy gross feet and love me, even though he was not getting anything in return for me. That's when it hit me. If Jesus could do this for me, why couldn't I do this for others around me? Which leads me to the first point. Jesus teaches us sacrificial love. 
So if you want to learn more about sacrificial love beyond what we talk about today, I would encourage you to go read through the Gospels and just meditate on Jesus and his life and how he loved. Because obviously today we can't go through every story in the Gospel. That would be really long. But that's really where we're going to learn about what it looks to love others well. So I do encourage you to do that. But I want to focus on some, some specifics of Jesus. So the first and most obvious way we see Jesus show us sacrificial love is that he died on the cross and then was raised to life. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God knew that in order for us to be in right relationship with him, someone would have to pay the ultimate price. He sent his one and only son to die for our sins. And Jesus knew that was his mission, that it was to come to earth and show us what it looked like to be in right relationship with the Father, but then ultimately die on the cross and then be raised to life on the third day. We didn't deserve this, and yet Jesus wanted to do this for us. But my favorite part of the story is that Jesus wasn't like a robot that was just like, okay, I'm going to die on the cross and had no feelings or emotions. In fact, we find that in Matthew 26, 26 through 46, I'm not going to read the whole story, but you should read it sometime. Um, We find the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where he says, My father, if possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Which is basically, basically him being like, God, I don't want to do this. Like, this sounds hard, this sounds horrible, but God, your will above my will at the end. Jesus understood the flesh and how there are times where we are like, I really don't want to do this, but God, your will be done first. Your kingdom come above all else. Jesus understood what it felt like to have to choose sacrificial love. That's important to know. Because sometimes it's easy to think of Jesus as just this perfect saint. I mean, he was. But, you know, like, he just, like, never dealt with the emotions or feelings. But he did. Like, he understood what it felt like to be like, I really don't want to do this. But, God, I'm going to choose you above all else. So we're going to go back to that verse we started with at the beginning, Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Um, And it says, again, Jesus said to him, I'm going to read this, like, five times. So you're going to, like, have it memorized. Jesus said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. So in the English language, we really don't understand what love is because we only have one word for love. Um, So we say, I love pizza. I love my dog. I love my husband. I love the sky. I love the grass. Like, it's just love. But if you look at other languages, they often have different words for love. So when we look at the verse, Matthew uh, 22, 37 through 40, and we look back at the original Greek, they use the word agape. Um, And agape means to seek the well-being of others regardless of their response. So the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, or agape. Like agape your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the only way we begin to understand what this looks like is we have to draw close to God and learn how he does this for us so we can do that back to him. Jesus didn't just show us agape love when he died on the cross. He continues to do it every day in our lives. So how many times do we stop every day and ponder and give thanks for the small agape love moments God is doing for us? That feet washing vision Jesus showed me, that was agape love. That was the continuation of him dying on the cross. Even though I was a spoiled brat, 
He still met me with kindness and correction and grace to lead me to my true identity that he created for me. Out of God loving me, it led me to confession and repentance and to want to love others out of the way he loved me. We have a saying um, with our campus ministry staff. It's, if you aren't filled up with Jesus, stay home. Because if you're going to go out and try and agape love others out of yourself, you're going to fail. But if we're filled up with the agape love that God gave us, we are able to go out and give to others out of him instead of ourselves. You can't give what you haven't received. The earliest followers of Jesus who wrote the New Testament didn't learn the meaning of agape love by looking it up in the ancient dictionaries. Rather, they looked to the teaching of Jesus and the story of his life to refine the concept of love. So today, if you're sitting there and you're like, man, I really don't understand this idea of love, you can just ask Jesus. Jesus, show me your love. He wants to do that for you. It's not some hard task. In fact, he's always waiting for your simple yes. So I encourage you to do that. So the commandment doesn't just end there, though. In fact, Jesus quickly shows us not only should you love God, but he gives us the commandment to love our neighbor, which leads to point number two. We were created to love God and those around us. So back to Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets depend on these two commandments. Have you ever wondered why it says the second is like it? Jesus was expressing that your love for God will be expressed by your love for people and vice versa. I'm going to read that again. Jesus was expressing that your love for God will be expressed by your love for people and vice versa. They're inseparable. Agape love is not having like this feeling for someone that just happens. It's an action. It's a choice to want to seek the well-being of people other than yourself. Jesus also went on to teach that genuine love for God and others means seeking people's well-being without expecting anything in return, which is really hard. especially from people who are in difficult situations who can't repay you even if they wanted to. That is literally reflecting God when we love the really hard people in our life, the really difficult people, the people that we would never associate ourselves with, but God's asking us to. That's where we find that commitment of like love your enemy. It comes from that. Our faith involves trusting that God is overflowing with love for his world, which means that the purpose of human existence is to receive this love that has come to us in Jesus and then give it back to others, creating an ecosystem of others-focused, self-giving love. An others-focused ecosystem. That's very, like, countercultural to the culture we live in today, right? So Romans 12, 3 through 5 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think with sober discernment as God has distributed to each of you a measure of faith. For just as in one body we have many members, and not all the members serve the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members who belong to one another. It's kind of a nice pill to swallow this morning. I say to every one of you not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think with sober discernment. You know, in my story that I was telling earlier, I was thinking about me too much. I was the center of the story instead of God and others being the center of the story. 
I was doing things because I had to versus because God was the center and I wanted to love him by loving others. Reality is, if I would have focused on God and others, I probably would have found more joy in life. But I was so self-absorbed, I couldn't see past me and my own needs. Which leads me to a side note that I want to address, and um, some people might be mad at me, but that's okay. So I've seen and read a lot of people say, love your neighbor as yourself, which means you have to learn how to love yourself before you can love your neighbor. Um, and that's like the third commandment that's like hidden, hidden in the text. What? Um, some of our staff are taking this class, and our professor says a lot. We make fun of it, but it's really good. He says, what does the text allow? Like when you're reading scripture, you need to be like, okay, what is the text allowing? Fun fact, the text does not allow for a third commandment. He says there's two commandments. So when I was preparing for the message, I was thinking about that a lot and just like, okay, God, do we need to like ha- learn how to love ourselves before we begin to love others? And I just really feel like the reality is we need to go to God to learn how to love ourselves. And he didn't put that in there because we can never learn how to love ourselves. Does that make sense? We have nothing in us to fulfill that need because God was always created, like he was always the one to fill that need. He can only give us identity. He can only give us purpose and like a calling and a mission. He fulfills that. We don't have to. And I'm not saying don't go take a bubble bath, have a glass of wine, you know, watch a TV show. Like that's okay. But if your mission in life is to satisfy your needs, you're missing out on what you were created for. You will never find joy. So here's my joke. If you want to throw a stone at me now, you may throw your stone. And this was the one moment. <laughs> Clay told me he would bring a pebble to throw at me. <laughs> so, but for real, these verses were never meant to be about us, but about getting our eyes off of ourselves. So if we go back to Romans 12, 3 through 5, um, it says that for just as one body, we have many members and not all the members serve the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members who belong to one another. Um, So we need each other to love well and to love the world around us. How I love, whoops, Mike, won't look the same as others, and it doesn't need to. That's why there's so many of us, so we don't have to carry this burden of the world on our shoulders. Together, us loving God and loving others, we can change the world. So an example of this I can't go through a message without talking about the Enneagram. Um, I'm an Enneagram 1 and an INTJ on the Myers-Briggs, which means I can be pretty blunt and intense and aggressive, and I'm going to fight for my beliefs and opinions, but my husband is an Enneagram 9 and an INFP on the Enneagram. (laughs) I hear laughter. (laughs) Which basically means he's great at creating harmony and mediating and helping people see all sides to a situation. He's very compassionate and understanding. So how we love people and serve people looks very different, but both are necessary. When we team up together, we actually are able to love people at a higher degree because together we are better. I'm able to go in and just like cutthroat through things, and then he's like, let me hug you (laughs) and remind you that Jesus still loves you. But it's a great team. I need that, but also I'm learning from him. I'm learning how to have those qualities as well, and he's learning from me how to have those qualities. And it's like this great teamwork that God created. 
So sacrificial love is all about loving God and loving others. And the definition of agape love is to seek the well-being of others regardless of their response. As we go about loving God and others, we want to make sure our heart is in the right place. Sometimes we don't love because we want to love God, but we're trying to people please. Um, In my story, I was loving because I was trying to people please, because it's what I had to do. And that is a one-way ticket to burnout. It's a one-way ticket to making everyone very hurt around you because it was not done in the right heart position. Also, let's be real. People can tell when you're doing something because you have to versus because you want to. And again, it's not about you. It's not about the response. It's not about responsibility even. It all comes back to God. We're doing this because we love God. God fills us with his love, and we love out of that because of the gratefulness we have towards the love he gave us. So with all of the headiness out of the way, what does this practically look like? How do we love those around us and our enemies even? Um, Which leads me to my third point. Um, Everything we have is God's, and we should use it to love those around us. So if we begin to see everything we have as God's, not just your physical, but also the non-physical, like your emotions, your time, your energy, etc. And we see that God has given us all of this to help expand the kingdom, we begin to find more new opportunities to love God and those around us at a higher degree because nothing is yours. It was given to you to go and expand the kingdom at a higher level. We no longer want to hold things in, but we are freely giving because we know God will provide for our needs, and he did that so we can go help others. So if you don't believe me, we're going to look at some verses. Psalms 12, or 12, 24-1. I like divided 24 in my head. I don't know. I've been feeding too many people recently. I just divide. <laughs> okay, Psalms 24.1. The Lord owns the earth and all it contains, the world and all who live in it. So that's just saying, everything in the world, even us, belongs to God. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 2.11-12. through 12. You will be enriched in every way so that you may be generous on every occasion which is producing through us thanksgiving to God, because the service of this ministry is not only providing for the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing with many thanks to God. I love that verse because it says, you will be enriched in every way so that you may be generous on every occasion. Like, that's a promise from God. We're going to have what we need to be able to love others. That's exciting. Everything that we have is given to us so we can go out and love those around us. Even our life was given to us to love those around us. Um, what happens if Jesus would have looked at us and said, uh, you're different than me, so I don't want to love you. Or you hurt me, so I don't want to love you. It would be a very different gospel, wouldn't it? But again, the story isn't about us. It's not about how we feel. It's about God loving us. So then, of course, we're able to go out and love others. And a note on that is humans are not the enemy. Every person is an image bearer reflecting the qualities of God, and they were created to reflect God and to love others. So we shouldn't strip someone of their destiny and dignity. That's what what we do when we don't treat others as image bearers. We were all once the unlovable, yet Jesus chose us. So uh, Romans 12, 9 through 21 Uh, I'm going to read the message version of this. And this just kind of gives you a clearer picture of what the practicality of loving someone looks like. Um, So it says, Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run from dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life for good. 
Be good friends who love deeply, practicing playing second fiddle. Don't burn out, keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times, pray all the harder. Help needy Christians, be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies, no cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy, share tears when they're down. Get along with each other, don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies, don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back, discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even, that's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God, I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tells us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch, or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. So I feel like the best way to kind of explain what these verses we're talking about is to just share some stories of how I've seen this well. Is that okay with you guys? I like it when there's like crowd participation. Okay. So when I first started coming to Bluemont, I was a really difficult person to love. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, I was really snobby and like head heart, head head heart, head hard headed, hard headed, you know. So Amber was here and she saw the image bearer in me and decided to be my friend, even though I was hard to love and she like never gave up on me. She even had to chase me once out of Redina's. Um, like, I ran out because she's like, do you want to do a kingdom living with me? And the only way I knew how to respond was to run. I didn't even, like, say no. Like, I think I just, like, sat up and ran out. And she came running after me, like, not in a, like, mad way, but she's like, Sharon, Sharon, like, let me love you. And I was like, no. Um, but it was good. Like, I think that moment taught me that people can love me. I'm not unlovable. And it was me seeing Jesus within her. Another example was when I was in college, I only had $50 in my bank account. I was eating corn tortilla with jelly on it because I'm gluten-free for like weeks. It was disgusting. (laughs) And I was living with Brogan um, at the time, and she went and bought me $80 worth of groceries, which doesn't sound like a lot, but back in the day, that was like a month's worth of groceries for me. Like I can make those groceries last. Um, And I remember she brought them in, and I just started sobbing because I was just so tired of eating these corn tortillas with jelly on them. And I was like, wow, I know this is a big deal, that you just went and paid $80 extra for my groceries, that you cared enough to see me and want to help. And I'm gluten-free, so she bought, like, really expensive stuff because I can't just, like, eat bread or mac and cheese or ramen. And that was a really um, important moment for me. So this next story is probably one of the moments I define as someone really, really loving me. Um, So Jay Hub sat me down as a student intern, and he told me I was extremely prideful, and maybe they let me on staff too early. (laughs) It was so sobering. I cried so hard. (laughs) Hold on, it gets better. I just bought this new sweater that I was like, I look so good. And now every time I wear it, I think of that. (laughs) I wear it all the time, though, so it keeps me humble. Um, But what's so good about that is it's really good to encourage each other. Like, we really should be encouraging each other always. It should be a normal. 
Um, we do this thing called Words of Life a lot, which is basically where we sit down, ask the Holy Spirit for an encouraging word, and then we give that. And our students love it, but it kind of makes me mad they love it because I'm like, this should be your normal life. We shouldn't have to wait for Words of Life night at a campus meeting for you to experience this. We should just be coming to events ready with a word to give someone. Or like during worship, asking God, is there anything you have for me to go encourage someone with? So we should be encouraging, but... Um, Another normal we should have is that we should be able to call people's blind spots out or the sin we see in people's life. If you know me, then you know I often say loving someone is often calling them out on their crap. This should just be a normal um, because we have blind spots. And J-Hub did this so much <laughs> and continues to. And these are the moments that were very painful, but they grew they like grew me so much. They've grown me into the person I am today. So I look back now and I see it as like a loving moment, like one of the most loving moments. It's hard to go up to someone and be like, you're extremely prideful because you're risking the relationship. You're risking that friendship. It's hard, but he did it. And I'm very thankful for that because I was. Um, a few months ago, I had a friend pass away and suddenly, a few of my closest friends came over, and they brought me my favorite snacks, which are fries and hot Cheetos, and they cried with me. We sang Taylor Swift. Someone was, like, hitting the ground for me, and it was, like, so loving to me because I don't like emotions, but they knew that. And so they came to help me, like, mourn my friend, um, and I ate so many hot Cheetos. It was disgusting. Um, if you know Mitchell's parents, Josh and Amy Arnold, they are some of the most giving people I've ever met. When we're with them, they won't let us pay for anything. It doesn't matter what it is. They're going to buy it um, because they want to bless us. And this past birthday, they came into town because Amy felt like the Holy Spirit told her to. So they show up. They had no idea what was going on. And they just bought us food. They talked to us. They encouraged. And they took time out of their lives to come here. They live four hours away. But the Holy Spirit said go, and they immediately jumped in their car. They came for three to four days, and they just loved us so well. And they've taught me so much of what it looks like to really give of your life. Um, like I've mentioned, I work with college students, and there's something about giving up your time in your home that makes them come alive. Um, I often have them in our house. We sometimes are doing laundry, cooking, playing video games, board games. But the main thing is we eat lots of food. Food is the way to people's hearts. If you really want to like love someone, just make them a meal um, and talk with them because that makes the greatest difference. Um, my, Marcel and I just bought a house and we didn't buy it because it was the greatest investment or even because we wanted to move. Um, this was Marcel's like college house actually, so I was like, I really don't want to buy it. Um, but once again, J-Hop called and he was like, basically, it would make more room for you to love people and to make disciples. And that was enough reason for us to go spend the money and the energy to go buy this house. And in fact, we moved and it wasn't big enough. So we're going to have to buy another house. <laughs> um, but again, it was J-Hub risking our relationship and challenging us. And it was worth the uncomfortability because it grew our faith. And it made us see this greater vision for loving people and giving up of our life. Um, so you see the key here is not doing some massive act. Like, these are just everyday things that we can do throughout the week. And all we have to do is ask God, how can I love the people around me? That's it. But the hard part is saying yes to whatever he asks. Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's your food, your home, your car. Maybe it's talking to someone even though you're super introverted. 
Maybe it's cooking for 20 plus college students. Maybe it's praying for someone. Sometimes the things God asks us to do or the opportunities he gives us sound horrible, like the story I was saying. But what happens if we saw a place where we could serve and love and jumped at it? What happens if we radically love those around us with agape love? Things would be changing at a really high degree. The Better Together series is not just about us being together, like these people, like all of us in this room more, but it's that if we are together, then we can go find others and bring them in because they need this too. Um, something we tell our financial partners every year during the summer is that there are 20,000 students at K-State who we get to minister to. 20,000 students at K-State that we get to go out together and love, share the gospel, and then start making disciples with. That's really exciting. Like, there's not anywhere else that you just have people sitting, living, that you get to go meet. We begin a movement of loving people and them loving God. Okay, last story, I promise. Um, this summer, we played a lot of volleyball, and we spent hours just playing with people. We met a lot of people. We just lived life with them, getting to know them, loving them. And so many of these new people would say, why do you guys do this? Why do you guys love us so well? And it was just us loving them that started this like momentum. They wanted to know what was in us that made us want to care for them. And so we started talking about God. And actually, Jesse is one of the girls we met playing volleyball. Why did that make me emotional? Um, but it was like, <laughs> it was really cool. Like we just met her. We brought her into my house, which was weird, she said later. But you know, it was cool. And like now she's here, a part of the community going to reach people in her workplace. It's this ripple effect. That's why we do this. And to close, as Reagan told me when she found out she was diagnosed with cancer, love Jesus, love people. That's all you need. Going back to my story, this has become my life motto. Like, I've been like, maybe I should tattoo it on my arm. I just got my first tattoo, so I want another one. But <laughs> every day I remind myself, God asked me to love him and love others. Even in the moments when I really don't want to, um, and I don't know what it looks like to serve in love, I remind, my, I remind myself that this is my calling, this is my honor, loving God and others well. This is what will bring me joy in life. I tried the whole being myself pity, not enjoy what I'm doing, and it was miserable. But I found a lot of joy the past few weeks choosing to love God and love people. And some days I mess up a lot and have to go apologize to people. Even this last week I had to go apologize to someone. But Jesus continuously brings me back to this vision of him washing my feet. It reminds me that he is my life, and he's giving me the love that I can give to others. We are better together, and when we love God and love others, we change the world together. So I have some quick next steps that we're just going to throw up here, and I'm just going to go through them really fast. Take a picture, write it down, do something about it. Don't just leave here with a good word from the Lord. But first, ask Jesus to show you how he loves you and stay in that for a second. Stay in that moment with him because this is what's filling you up so you can go give it to someone else. And it's really as simple as that. He wants to come and love you. Second, ask God, who do you want me to love that is around me? Maybe he puts someone in this room, but even better if he puts someone that's not in this room. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's a classmate. Maybe it's a professor. I don't really know. But think about other people beyond just your little bubble. Like, let's expand out. Um, three, ask God, how do you want me to love them? Like, get practical with God. What is one thing, God, that I can do this week that's going to love them? 
and then do it. Don't just think about it, talk about it, go do it. And which leads me to the first, fourth point, and this can feel random, but it's really not. Enter into a discipleship relationship with someone if you're not. Because they're going to help you find your blind spots. They're going to help you love like Jesus. They're going to be the ones who are like, hey, did you go do that thing you said you were going to do last week? It's important that we not do this alone. We're better together. That's why we're doing this, is so we can like team up, partner together, and go love people well. So to end all of this, it felt only fitting that we would do communion. Um, and I love communion because it's really us remembering um, like the body and blood of Jesus that was broken and poured at the cross. And when we take communion, it's reminding us not just of Jesus' suffering, but that he's always loving us. It's those tiny moments that I was talking about earlier. We're remembering that he's continuously doing that for us, and it just reminds us why we should go out and do that as well. So um, I'm going to have you guys, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, go back to the tables and go grab your communion, and then we're going to come back to your seats, and I'm going to pray for it. And um, if worship team wants to come up and start playing lightly, that would be great. But yeah, go grab some communion and come back and we'll finish out.